Hi, this is Mark Lachance, Mr. Lucky, author of The Lucky Formula, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Mark Lachance. Mark owned and operated several businesses that have experienced hypergrowth through creative business development and lead generation. Mark is the CEO and lead investor of Maxi Media Inc., one of the largest TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, and Google Display network performance marketing agencies in the world. He guided the company from its inception with one employee to over 200 employees across Canada. Mark was one of the founding members and president of VersaPay Inc., a payment solutions provider, which went public in 2010, and he held the same role at Payments, which is now a multi-billion dollar public company. He helped set the foundation and drive the company's sales and revenues before his successful exit in 2006. Mark lives in Montreal, Quebec with his wife, Sonia, and their two sons and is here to talk about his book, The Lucky Formula, How to Stock the Odds in Your Favor and Cash In on Success. Welcome, Mark. Great to be here. Great to be with you. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? I know you read the book, so you know the answer to this, Bill, but for those who haven't, in the book, I talk about my dad. Who, who basically got us into personal development, myself and my two brothers, who helped us write out our goals at 10 years old. And the crazy thing is, not the crazy thing, but if we're in business and we believe in personal development, mostly all the targets that we set out when we were 10 years old, which is insane. When you first did that, what were you thinking about writing your goals? Because a 10-year-old writing their goals probably is pretty vague. You don't know a lot about the future. You don't know a lot about what you want to do or what you want to become, but you have dreams. What is it that you look back on that exercise now in terms of shaping the kind of person you became? Look, between obviously between 10 years old and now I'm 52, I've done a lot more reading and personal development. So I understand the mechanics behind it, but it, it basically gives you a target and gives you a goal and gives you something to work for. If you keep on referring back to it and you, you stay focused and stuff, you don't have a plan, it's just the hope and it doesn't work out for you. It, it's incredible if I could tell the story quick on what happened really. So we set goals to all play in the National Hockey League, to all get scholarships to university to play hockey, and then to have successful careers after. So my middle brother, Scott, was drafted by the New York Islanders fourth overall. He then went on to play for the U.S. Olympic team in 1990. He then played 13 years in the NHL and now has a successful career working for the New Jersey Devils. My second brother, he was drafted by the St. Louis Blues, played 10 years professional hockey, and now has a successful career. They both got full rides to Boston University. Maybe arch rival, you were at RPI, I know that. I remember being at that cold many times. And that left me, I say, like I said in the book, the runt of the litter. But the runt of the litter did pretty well in his post-career. I never played hockey professionally or got a full ride to play hockey, but I've had a pretty successful career after. So most of our targets were hit. One of the important things about that is being able to transfer that habit or skill to someone else. Do you remember the first person you taught about writing the goals down and how it had helped you achieve success in your own life? When I started back in 2000, 2001, when I moved to Canada to be EVP of Pivotal Payments. We would write our goals out and targets all the time. Before that, obviously, I did it before, but specifically, I can remember the sales team. And that was my first, let's say, executive position. We grew a sales team from zero to 60 people within a year. You, at that point, had maybe 10 or a dozen years of experience writing your goals, reviewing them on a regular basis. What do you think the advantage of that was when you started with the sales team, helping them write their goals? Because salespeople are ready 
fire aim people typically? We would not only write the goals, we would also visualize. I have a couple of stories in the book where I talk about how visualization works and how, how some of the successes that have worked for me in, through visualization. But getting back to the sales team, I think, look, it keeps everybody focused. It keeps everybody targeted, keeps everybody accountable. Accountability is a key piece, right? So if you said you're going to do it, well, you wrote it down. So now we're going to go after it. I think it keeps people on point, on target, helps you hit your targets and it exceed your target. In your book, you wrote, I learned being lucky is not a result of random chance, but rather something that can be controlled and even crafted. How did you gain that insight? Take me back to the moment when that came into focus for you. My last name, La Chance, is actually a French last name. It means lucky. So when I was a kid, I was called lucky. Hey, lucky. So I'm going to tell you, I believed growing up that I was lucky. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you believe something, you might not really be it, but if you believe it in your head, it's going to happen. You can craft your future by the way you think and your mentality and what you put goal setting and visualization and all the things we talk about in the book. I'm a believer in that as well. I've experienced it in my own life. You go on to talk about how attracting luck is an internal job. Many people think, I want to win a lottery ticket. And that's not really what you're talking about. You're talking about a much deeper process where we're changing things from the inside out. Talk about an example about how this guides decision-making or how you develop people, even in your day-to-day work at Maxi Media. If you remember from Dan Sullivan, Bill, he talks about the positive focus. You start every meeting with your wins. You start every meeting with your positive focus. So that's what we do. So we get the team off on the right foot. We get everybody excited and fired up. Actually, that's what we've taught our team leaders to do every single day is to get their team off on the right foot. So if you start your day off on a positive, that's what we talk about all the time. That's what we teach. The next step for the entrepreneurs out there, if you find somebody that doesn't have those capabilities, you're going to flatline and probably decline. Especially these days, Bill, with salaries skyrocketing because of the inflation issue. You have to provide not only dollars, but you have to provide another thing for your employees to want to stick with you. And I think that's positivity and recognition and basically the pat on the back on a consistent. So you and I know from hiring people and mentoring people and coaching other business leaders, we know that there are people who walk in who are completely on board with this. We also know that there are some people who are completely resistant and closed-minded to this. What's your experience with people who are a little bit skeptical about winning them over and showing them that this does make a difference in order to not just come in with a positive mindset, but to cultivate it. Do you have an example where you may have worked with a manager who had a lot of promise and they were a little bit hesitant or resistant at first, but then eventually through practice or or whatever, they were somehow able to be won over and became an advocate. Hiring is critical. You're going to make mistakes, so don't beat yourself up about that. But on the front end, if you've got a list of questions and you can sift out, I've used winning Jack Welch's book. I'm sure you read it. And it's a pretty awesome book and it's still very relevant today. And he's got a, a chapter that talks about hiring. So I basically stole his <laughs> stole his his formula to hiring folks. And he's got, I think it's called the four E's and the one P. You want somebody with edge, somebody not necessarily with experience, with energy and positivity. And so if you're looking for those things, you're going to hit it. They don't necessarily have to have experience in your industry. As long as they've got those four or five key factors that you're looking for, I don't know that you have to win people over because they come in and they're bought into your system already. But let's say there's the odd chance that somebody sneaks in that doesn't think the way we want. Either they're going to be won over or they're not. And if they're not, there's a parting in the ways that has to happen. You've had people who came in at varying degrees of having those four P's and an E from Jack Welch, and they don't know your methods necessarily until they're on the inside. Can you think of someone who you've worked with over the years in different companies that you brought on, shared the methods with, were a little skeptical, but eventually said, oh my gosh, this has now made a difference. Now I'm interested 
didn't really do it. And they became an advocate where before they were a little bit standoffish. Absolutely. In the book, I speak about your circle of influence. We've spoken about that in many leadership calls. The key about the circle of influence is that you're the aggregate or the average of the five people you hang around with. So if you have anybody negative in that five, you're going to tend to the negative because for some reason, Billy, better than I do, the brain tends to gravitate towards negative. If you have anybody in that group, then you're going to tend to gravitate towards the negativity. Tell me the first name of the manager you were thinking of. And then what was it that switched him over? What was the tipping point? The manager's name is Julia. And the tipping point was she thought about what we spoke about on the call and went back and said, you know what? You're right. I have this one person in my inner circle that's negative and brings me down. So I cut that person and and it made a difference. Phoebe's another young manager in our team. By the way, you're going to hear young managers because we've got 70% of our staff is gens. I'm going to kill a, a common myth out there is that people say, oh, Gen Z is entitled and they're lazy. Not if you hire the right ones. Not if you get the right people on board. Not at all. Because if you not only hire people, but then cultivate them by creating the right environment, you've got the best of both worlds. Not only that, but you and I know you've taken responsibility for working with the people who you've vetted. From your perspective, Mark, what's the importance of gratitude? You talk about that a lot in the book, and I'm sure it's part of your daily practice. What does gratitude mean to you? I find that it makes a tremendous difference, especially if your gratitude is authentic. I give an example in the book. One of my editors by the name of Alex, he didn't understand the power of gratitude. and He, he didn't understand language. So he's like, Mark, can you explain that to me? We're driving in my car and I'm like, Alex, I've read many of your writings. You're a brilliant writer. Whenever I pick up one of your articles, I can't put it down. It, it's amazing. I'm totally engrossed in what you're writing. I could see him getting excited. And I'm like, now, Alex, let me tell you, that was me authentically using positive language and gratitude to you. Is there a good chance that you're going to recommend me or, or speak highly of me? And then the butterfly syndrome, right? One good deed over here could blossom into something amazing. So that's gratitude and positive language with people and could blossom into something incredible. You talk about one of the powers of gratitude is being able to rally people, including yourself. What's the relationship between gratitude and resilience? Because there are a lot of ups and downs going on as a business leader. How does gratitude help you be resilient as a leader? To answer that, Bill, when I am grateful and let's say negative things happen or you you get a curveball like you always do in business, business. It helps you keep perspective and stay positive and stay focused on the main goal. So gratitude is a big thing. I remember an example from your book when you wanted to sell. You had a minority stake in a company that you were building and it was one of the transaction companies and the owners didn't want to sell. They wanted that global reach and your part of that company's portfolio was very important. How did you keep your perspective during that difficult time when you were ready to exit and they weren't ready to either buy your shares or make their move yet? to eat my humble pie and learn how to be grateful every day. Over the years, I was able to engineer an exit, which was positive for all of us. And everybody was happy and I'm still friends with them today. It was tough at times because I knew the valuation of the company was here, but because I was a minority shareholder, I couldn't exit. But I had to rewire my brain, do my morning routines and wake up incredibly energetic and fired up and get into the office and do the job that I had. You talk about a concept in the book known as the financial fortress. The financial fortress is something that is not just positive thinking. These are actions you take in order to build surplus and a cushion in your life. You learn that at a seminar with T. Boone Pickens and Eric Brott. And these are not just two guys that are doing well. These were two 
billionaires who shared their insights of what they do on a regular basis with you. Talk about how you came to learn the concept of a financial fortress and how did that actually become something that was a foundation in your life? That event was, to me, the most transformative event that I've ever been to. In the room, there's 150, let's say, high-level thinkers and entrepreneurs. I was by far the poorest guy in the room at that time. But it was about building your financial fortress. And not only was T. Boone Pickens there and Sprott, there are four other billionaires and many successful investors and financial people. And Bill, we spoke earlier and you're a Tony Robbins fan. Tony himself was highly successful. The theme was to build four or five separate revenue streams to have that financial fortress. Because look, while money is not everything, not having money is everything, right? Financial stress to me is the worst stress. You read the book, The Colossal Failure That I Had, the Depression, Anxiety. I never, ever wanted to be there ever again. Now we've got five different streams of revenue working on the sixth right now. So I think it's tremendously important, especially in these days of hyper inflation and hyper craziness that's going on out there. You need multiple streams because one may fail and then you have to build another one. It's just the theory that I have. I learned that from Tony and everybody in that uh, seminar. What did you do right after the seminar or right after that session of the seminar to implement it? Because I love how you're a fast action taker. You get an idea. It's like, all right, let's see. Let's put it to the test. So this is a good story. So Tony had asked T. Boone, he's, what can you teach us right now so that we could literally take an action right now and make money immediately? So he taught us this option. I, I even forget how it went, but I called my broker immediately. So it was based on oil. I think it was even the oil ETF. I think it's OIL. We bought futures and hedge and blah, blah. Whatever we did, I made $30,000 within that hour. So it was pretty cool. It's pretty good diversification. Let me put that into something in a dividend yielding stock and we're good. But yeah, taking action right away, Bill, right? There are rewards to that. Tony says, and you quote him in the book, you say, without accountability, you'll always blame your circumstances on forces beyond your control. If you have trouble holding yourself accountable, consider working with a coach or partner who can push you to your full potential. How has that insight helped you in your business? I'm going to answer that like this. Your circle of influence, like if I look at my circle right now, it's solid. Everybody's a big thing. Everybody holds you accountable to your goals and to your thoughts and your positivity. I really learned about this at the Business Mastery event back in 2011, which is not that long ago. The whole key was accountability. The whole key is that when you first walked in, you found out that your business wasn't growing because of you. I was like, wow. wait, it wasn't an external factor. It wasn't the customer's fault. It wasn't the marketing. You're the problem, Bill. If your business is not growing, it's because of you. I found out that accountability out of the gate, you have to be accountable to something, someone, a goal, anything. I quickly learned to build a circle of influence that kept me accountable, that kept me on point. So that could be a mentor, a coach, a group of people being part of a, a mastermind group. There's many ways to do this, but I think that everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a mentor mentor. Everybody needs a circle like I have right now that keeps me on point. So I think it's very critical. In the last year, what would you say is a specific way that one of your accountability partners or mastermind partners, what's an example of a way that they helped remind you of something that you said was important? On a weekly basis, I've got an accountability partner and we, we sit down and go over our goals and our targets. It could get pretty aggressive, hit our targets. We also, I don't want to get yelled at, Bill. I don't like it. So I have to make sure that I execute on everything on my list. Share an example of where you didn't want to let your accountability partner down because they would hold you to what you said you wanted to accomplish. Talk about a specific example where you came close to that and then you took action to make sure you weren't going to catch it on that call. It's a list of people or potential clients or potential employees that I need to call in. We're in a hyper growth mode right now. So there's a term, I didn't coin it, but there's a book called Blitzscaling. 
and I consider myself a blitz scaler. I've got targets that I look, I need to hire a head of HR, hire a new controller, head of the control, head of finance. I need to hire a president of our US division. And anytime I look at that list and I, if I don't feel like I know I have to jump back on my horse and do it because it's on my target list. Another thing that you bring out in the book that I think is super important is taking an inventory of your relationships. What does that mean to you? What's an example of how that's helped you in your business life as a business leader? It gets back to the whole, you're the average of the five people you hang around with. So here's a question I ask whenever this topic comes up. So Bill, imagine you're hanging around your RPI gang or you're hanging around five billionaires or conversely, you're hanging around with beer drinking buddies that eat chicken wings every single night or after they play hockey. Where do you think you're going to get your most success from? Where do you think you're going to get your most growth from? It's probably hanging around with the RPI billionaires versus playing hockey at 11 o'clock at night and drinking five beers and waking up the next day with a headache. I had to make some changes in my life as well. And those are a couple of them that did. You actually remember changing the five people you hung around with because in college, you said that you didn't have a lot of ambition. And suddenly when you were out in the working world, you didn't want to work in your dad's construction company forever. You had to change your closest circle. What was that like for you when you actually made that conscious choice to say, you know what? I'm not going to get to where I want to go doing what I've always done. I've got to make some changes here. How did you think about that to actually bring in people that helped you get to the level that you aspired? Look, it's a tough thing to do. Let's say, use the word cut, but I had to do it and you have to do it because again, if you're hanging around with people that think at a lower level or vibrate on a low level, you're going to. It's just human nature. It's just the way the brain works. But then I hired a coach and a mentor. Over the years, I've had many coaches and mentors that keep on elevating my game, like Dan Sullivan we spoke about, or I hired Dr. Srini Pillay, who wrote the book, The Science Behind the Law of Attraction. So I'd be on a weekly call with him and continually elevating the game. The questions are always like, okay, who are you hanging around with this week? Who did you speak to this week? What are the conversations like? So if you're continually upping your game professionally, personally, socially, I just think it's going to help you overall. That's the strategy I use. Mark, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round? Let's do it. I'm fired up for this. Earlier, I asked you about who was influential in your life growing up, and you talked about your when you were a teenager, Mark, what's a song that you loved? REO Speedwagon. That's time for me to take... Oh, no, sorry. It's, that's not the one. It's Take It on the Run. That's it. Take It on the oh, Run. That, that was it. That was it. It's not time for me to fly. You write about it in the book when you came back from college one summer, you saw that your younger brother was in the backyard taking a thousand shots at goal a day, not 10 or 200, a thousand a day because that was the standard he set for himself. What was it like when you realized that he was that serious about it? What changed for you when you saw his dedication? I realized quickly that's the kind of dedication it takes to make it to the bigs because not only did he dominate, but he was a big body. Only because he was so dedicated that he was able to even get his game to the high level, play in the U.S. Olympic team. I mean, how many people do that? So it's incredible. You, you got the sense. That's what it takes to make it in the bigs. I, I love that moment of insight. At Pivotal, you built a sales team from being the number three employee to over 240 people in the company. What's one of the most valuable lessons that you learned from that hyper growth experience? I could definitely lead a company and definitely become 
the CEO of a company and lead it effectively. That's a big deal. Whoa, no one grows up thinking that, but then that experience got you there. That's right. What would you say is the best $100 or so purchase you've made in the last six months? That's a good question. I would have to say $100. So Audible book costs, what, $15? So if you want to look at my Audible list, every single book that I've bought in the last six months, with one of them being Ray Dalio's new book, the other one being The Lucky Formula by a guy that you know, and uh, a Bitcoin standard I've bought. The other one, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. That actually, it, it look, I, I knew everything that I knew everything, but I knew the concepts in the book, but just continuing to reiterate in your brain, rereading it again, helped me create a new mantra in the morning, helped me create a new you know goal setting uh, target or, or speaking to my subconscious. So that book has been critical in the last six months. Whenever I see leaders go back and reread something or learn it from a different perspective, that's a big signal that they're looking for mastery, not just familiarity. Mark, what would you say is a book that you've given away more than any other in the last year, other than one of your own? Uh, a book that I've given away several times, a book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. This is a way, this is a book that gets you mentally focused. If, if you're, you read about this guy's life and you read about the dedication and first of all, I'll call it torture that he went through as a young child and then the torture he put himself through. It's almost as if any pain or problems that you're looking at are minuscule compared to what he did. Yeah, let's go with that one. So that, that's one I've given away several times, actually. As someone who sets the direction in your company and makes decisions about strategy and hiring, what would you say is your definition of being coachable for yourself? You have to remember to do what behaviors and what attitudes help you make the most of the coaching that you get and being receptive. You have to be open-minded. I'll give you a great example. In my company, like I said earlier, we've got 70% of our team is Gen Z. They know everything there is to know about social platforms. They know way more than I know about social platforms. So you have to have an open mind to take coaching from a 20-year-old to teach you about the social platform. So I think open-mindedness is a key factor, especially today. Excellent. Complete this prompt. I know that my managers are becoming leaders when I see... When I see them implement some of these strategies that we've spoken about and take their game and their division to the next. Do you remember an example of seeing that in the last year or so? Perfect example. So we, uh, again, I'll, I'll speak about Phoebe again. So we have a weekly call. Her and I, she's a young manager. Right? She, she's heading up our most important division, a division that brings in over 50% of our revenue. And she literally was a nurse three years ago. Now she's heading up the most important division of her digital marketing company because her work ethic is through the roof, right? So she wasn't in digital marketing three years ago, but we meet on a, a weekly basis. And one of them, she was having a difficulty in the hiring and firing process. So we went through, again, going back to Jack Welch, we went through his strategies and, and some of the things that I've done in the past. We came up with strategies that I've used and ways to let people go without it being a negative impact on our business or even on that. What would you say in the last year has been a habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped that's brought you the most personal satisfaction or pleasure? I've stopped reading a lot of the mainstream media. I, I didn't do it a lot, but since COVID hit, I, I was actually doing a lot of mainstream media reading. But prior to COVID, I never would read it. I, I don't want to focus on what's happening on the outside. Because it's outside your circle of control. All the stuff that people are writing about and fomenting about, we can't change from where we are. We just got to focus on what, what's inside our circle of influence. Absolutely. In your morning meeting, you give leadership mentoring sessions and you help everyone in the company, not just your direct reports, but everyone in the company, what's an example of something you've shared in the last month 
And what have you noticed about the impact that it had? Did you see people start to use the technique? Did you hear somebody quoting it to somebody else? We went over morning routine. We went over the value of sleep and we went over the science behind the real science behind the value of sleep. I heard on the last call, somebody quote, they were speaking to, to the crew and he spoke about sleep and that he's changed his sleeping habits and his morning routine has changed. So that made, I was pretty excited to hear that. How else do you look at the way to measure the return on investment of taking everyone off the task that they're doing to spend time in this, this weekly huddle? How else do you look and see the value of that for all the entrepreneurs and business leaders who are listening and thinking, it's been a while since I've done that. Maybe there's something to it. I can gauge the energy and the and the positivity, let's say the upward trajectory in revenue based on how active our Slack channels are. So we recently came out with a a company motto, which is get hyped. It's an acronym for, we don't need to get into it, but get hyped. I hear everybody saying, get hyped, get hyped. And the numbers, ever since we came up with that internal motto or, or core values, right? That's really our core values. The revenues have spiked. I, I think every company needs a core value that gets everybody excited and keyed in and, and focused on, on success. When I coach teams, I do it and say that every team needs a motto or a theme for their season. Based upon where you want to go and what your starting point is, what's going to be the theme of your season? We have a process that bring that out. It's the same way with sports. If you've ever seen Michael Jordan the last dance. That was the theme of his last season playing for the Bulls. And it influenced the decisions that they made. It influenced the kinds of actions they took and deepened the level of their commitment because they knew it was going to be their last season playing together. I think that get hyped is something that similarly motivates people to take it to the next level. That's right. Exactly. Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best today. You've talked about some of your early influences, some of the ways that you use coaching that have helped you turn around from downturns and turn them into large successes. You talk about how your daily routines are fundamental to making sure that you're able to go out and give your best day in and day out. You've talked about examples of working with staff and giving them responsibility like we've done with Phoebe in order to make sure that they're supported to be successful in their day-to-day decision-making. Mark Lachance, I want to thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Before we say goodbye, Mark, tell me, where can we find out more about you and your work online? You can find me at my website, which is marklachance.com. So M-A-R-K-L-A-C-H-A-N-C-E.com. Let me recommend that people who visit marklachance.com take your lucky quiz to assess where you are in terms of having luck be something that you cultivate from the inside. Bill, I saw you took the lucky quiz, Bill. I saw that. You can also find it at theluckyformula.com slash quiz. It's basically a quiz that scores your ability to attract luck or attract success in on a scale of a zero to a hundred. Mark Lachance, author of The Lucky formula. I want to thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts 
on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.